This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. Radio voice of the Brooklyn Nets, and what a season it's going to be for them. We know Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving are going to be in the fold. We'll see about that guy, James Harden. Chris Carino, who has been busy doing NFL games. He's got the Nets coming up. He's nice enough to give us a couple minutes. What's happening, Chris? How you doing, man? JJ, what's going on? I, I want to say that that highlight you guys just found, um, I think the Nets won that game. <laughs> I think you're right about that. Now that I'm they thinking were, back were, on it, I think you were right about that. Isn't it? Like 60, Chris, they, don't you like vividly, like, like a guy who calls as many games as you do, are, are there certain calls that if you like hear them and I could pull one out of the archive, you'll remember exactly where it was, what you were doing, <laughs> what you had for breakfast that day? I got to imagine that's the case. You know what? I'm really not like that. Uh, but but I, I sometimes I'll come home and my wife will ask me what the final score was and I'll go, I don't know what the final score was. I just know, all right, we won, you know, the Nets won by four or, or they lost by, you know, uh, 10 or, you know, I just, I, I, I don't remember all those little details, but I just, there, there are certain things that stand out. And I know I've seen Harden score 60 in Houston and the Nets won the game. And that, you remember certain games because that was the one where Spencer Dinwiddie went off in, like, the last 30 – the Nets were down nine, I think, with, like, 27 seconds left. And then when he took over and the game went to overtime, and the Nets won the game in overtime. And I remember that was that was from the 18-19 season. And it was just such an uplifting game. You know, that was that team that went to the playoffs and lost in the first round to Philadelphia, kind of an overachieving-type team with D'Angelo Russell and, the, and Kenny Atkinson and – so those, there are things that do stand out in my mind. That was one. Chris, would you say going into this year from like a anticipation standpoint, from a hype standpoint, this is probably the greatest it's been for you in all your years of doing these games? Uh, the bar is as high as it's ever been. I mean, that's, that's no, there's no doubt about that. And, and that's even, you know, before you want to talk about James Harden, if that, if that were to happen, um, just just having Kevin Durant in the fold with Kyrie and if you if you don't go for a Harden or a, or a Beal or you know one of these guys that you're going to you're going to give up uh, a bunch of young guys um I think even with the group as it is right now if you can re-sign Joe Harris I think that's an important thing the, the bar is as high as it's ever been I think you are talking NBA Finals. Um, 
And maybe I'm trying to think back. My first year doing this full time was the the first year they went to the NBA finals in 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 o in o two in uh in 2001-2002, or I should say in Jason Kidd's first year in um, in, o, in 0102, and then, am I right? In 0203 was the second year. So maybe the second year, after they had been to the finals, there was that expectation that they should get back to the finals. So probably this is the most anticipated year in a, in a close second, probably Kidd's second year with the Nets. Chris, from Durant's standpoint, not playing a game in over a year, um, is your expectation that he can come in and hit the ground running, or are you expecting that there's going to be a rust factor coming back from the Achilles, making sure his mind, body, spirit is where it needs to be? Like, How many games, in your estimation, is it going to take for Kevin Durant to look like the guy who's been you know, one of the premier players in all basketball, you have a timetable on that, or you just kind of spit firing? I think I think if he's healthy, like if 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 he's ever going to be back to where he was, I think he'll he he's going to hit the ground running because he's don't forget they they thought he was ready back in like April, so. You know, he, he and, and, and a lot of people felt, you know, if he had, if the Olympics had come around, he was going to play in the Olympics. So um, to, to answer that, I think he's got I think he's been healthy for a while. He's been working out. You see all the videos of him out in L.A. working out with Kyrie and, you know, Harden was a part of that. Um, he's been running with the best of the best and he seems to be healthy. So there's no reason to me that he wouldn't be able to just walk in and start playing the way, you know, the, the Kevin Durant that we know, if he is ever going to be at that level physically. Um, obviously, the guy hasn't played in NBA action in a while. I'm sure you gotta you got to shake a little bit off, but he's, he's Kevin Durant. Like, I, I, I feel it in the way his game is, like, you get a sense that he'll with all the practicing he's done lately and the, and the work he's done, like maybe a half, right? Like maybe he'll just sort of, he'll need to get a couple of shots, contested shots up. But after that, I think it just, it just becomes, you know, muscle memory for him. So I think if he's, if he's ever going to be back, you know, physically where he's going to be, I think he, he hits the ground running. Chris, what was your takeaway being around Kyrie Irving for a year? Yeah, I'll be honest with you, JJ. We didn't see him much. That's a fair point. I mean, we, he had you know, one or two was, spectacular performances, and that was basically it for the year. Sounds about right. I, well, he he had he had three. He had he had two fifty point games in the in the twenty games that he played. He had another uh, where it was like a triple double. You know, he had forty some odd points. Like he he had some memorable games. Like I think the Nets only had. They only had like not, or, or, or nine 50-point games in their career, and he had two of them this year in 20 games. So it, it, it was spectacular when it was there. It was like his, his one year at Duke. You know, like he, he didn't play a whole, all that many games, but he played some memorable games. And I think um, he's, he was around the team, but I 
you know, we were out on the road. It wasn't like he was there and you got to know him. I, I can't say that I really got to know him very well. It just, you know, I, I wish he was around more. I wish he hadn't been injured, you know, but, you know, that's, that's where it was. And, uh, and, we're, you know, I hope, hopefully he gets back in, in, in the fold this year, full time, you know. We got the radio voice of the Brooklyn Nets, Chris Carino. He joins us here on The Fan. All right, Chris, I got to admit this, full disclosure. I don't like the idea of bringing Horton to this team. And I get it. He is a spectacular talent. I know he has the relationship with Kevin Durant. But I'm looking for gritty two-way players to surround my two superstars with, you know? I like Karis LeVert. I like Spencer Dinwiddie. I like Jared Allen. I saw what the Lakers did last year in surrounding LeBron and Davis with all those grinders. I thought it helped them go and win a championship. I know Harden is a guy who could score 50 on any given night. I know he can put up spectacular numbers. But from a fit standpoint, do you see those pieces meshing and fitting together if indeed you bring in James Harden with those other two? JJ, I think you you hit it right on the head when you talk about needing – tough, gritty, two-way players. I think that can't be stressed enough when you have Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. Um, Harden, I, I, listen, it's, if, if they make this deal, there are greater basketball minds than mine that have figured this thing out and said, you know what, regardless of what it's going to cost, um, that combination of Harden, Kyrie, Kevin Durant, uh, we will find a couple of the guys that fit in off the bench and, and of those other two spots, and we will be able to just smother other teams, just outscore everybody and win games. That, that's, that's totally fair. However, you can, I think at some point you saturate your scoring. You know, Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant can account for plenty of offense. And you need to have tough-minded, defensive-minded perimeter players who will take the other team's best offensive players out of the game. You know, you, you, you see it all the time, championship-caliber defense and grittiness and toughness. It wins championships. And superstar scores. It can't be one or the other. You know, the thing that makes LeBron James so incredible is that he's both, right? He's a superstar scorer who makes the guys around him better. And he's as tough and gritty a defender as you can find in the league. That's why he is the greatest of all time in the argument with Jordan and all that. Jordan was like that too. Um, but you, you need to have both. You can't just have great offensive players and be soft on the defensive end. You can't just be a great, tough defensive team and not have a superstar to go to in the half court. You've got to have both. And I think that when you have two scores, like in Kyrie and Kevin Durant, two amazing offensive players, you now have a chance to surround them with three guys who fit those roles, two good defenders, and then maybe you have a Joe Harris out there who can knock down a three. 
You know, that's what you need. I think with Harden in there, man, I'm not saying, again, if, if Sean Marks and Steve Nash and the brain trust at the Nets, who I trust with all my heart and soul, if they think that this is worth it, then they know more than I do. But I don't think you need to trade the farm when, when you have Irving and Durant already in the fold. Find those role players. Go out and get me Serge Ibaka. Go out and, and, and get me a Marcus Smart type guy. You know, somebody that is just going to kick your butt on the perimeter defensively and is an adequate scorer. Get me a Fred Van Vliet kind of guy. You know, get me one of those kind of guys. That, that's what this team is going to need to win a championship. Chris, how shocked were you when you found out that Steve Nash, the Hall of Famer, was going to be the next coach of this team? And we've seen it before. It's not like it's uncharted waters in the NBA. Um, yeah. I, that threw me a major curveball. That said, I think having D'Antoni there is the best thing for him. I think that partnership, Nash and the sort of respect he garners around the league, and then a guy like D'Antoni who's been there and done that, that kind of put me at ease in saying, all right, I think this will be A-OK right from the uh, get-go. Yeah, and, and even before D'Antoni, I felt really good about the hire. It was one of those things like where you, 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 didn't, you never thought of it, and then, but then when you heard it, it made complete sense. You know, here was a guy who was going to have the gravitas uh, that will that that you would uh, you would imagine would have the respect of Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant, right? I mean, there there are few people out there that you would have brought in that with those guys would have a certain reverence for. Um, you know, Kyrie would have to respect what Steve Nash has done in his basketball career. Uh, you know that Durant knew Steve Nash from Nash's time as a consultant with the Warriors. They worked, they worked out with each other. They had a mutual respect for one another. It, it, there, was a, there was a relationship there that I'm sure um, Sean Marks tapped into when he made this, I think, inspired pick. You know, if, if you were going to just throw one of those retread guys, you know, I know Ty Lue has won a championship, but that didn't have me revved up. I Steve Nash has me revved up, and he's going to have some growing pains. You know, guys are he's gonna he's gonna be overwhelmed a little bit by the speed at, w- at which he's got to make decisions as a coach. But he's been there as a player for so long; he sees the game, so that probably won't be as huge an adjustment. And like you said, he's got Mike D'Antoni there to lean on in terms of how we prepare, how we get ready for these games. He's got a guy like Jacques Vaughn there who did a great job with the Nets in the bubble this year to lean on and, and be that guy. So, you know, that's, to me, the, the X's and O's are the least of their problems. Steve Nash's biggest obstacle is how he curates the chemistry of this team how he deals with Kyrie Irving on a day-to-day basis, how he connects with him. You know, I think Durant is somebody Nash knows, and I think he's easy. I don't think you have to – I don't think that's a um, high-maintenance relationship. I think Kyrie, it could be a little more where you've got to maintain that, and that will be, you know, Steve Nash in his ear – saying, you know, Kyrie, 
move the ball. Kyrie, get Kevin going. You know, don't make a pa- – the pass doesn't have to be for an assist every time. It could just be to get it moving in the right direction. You know, hey, Kyrie, we need you to dig in on the defensive end. We need you I, – I don't need you to be, to be uh, Oscar Robertson. I just need you to give us something on that end of the floor. If that is what he can nuance and massage out of Kyrie – I think a guy like Steve Nash will be knowing, knowing what I know about him, how smart he is, how savvy he is, um, how you know clever he is. I think he can be that guy. Chris, real quick, and I appreciate the time. You're doing these NFL games on Sunday. You're a man of many talents. The best team you've seen in person this year would be. The best game I saw in person this year? No, best team. Best team oh, that man. is, you know, kind of wowed you, impressed you the most, seeing them up close in person. Uh, well, I got to say Kansas City. I, I, how could I not say Kansas City? Uh, had them, even though I haven't seen them at their best, it's funny. I, I, I had them in their loss to the Raiders, and I had them in their, uh, in their overtime win against the Chargers. Why, you like the bad um, luck charm for the Chiefs, Chris. That's hard yeah, to do. Yeah, they, they, they do not like seeing me. Well, if they're playing uh, the Dolphins to... in a couple weeks, Chris, we got we got to work that out. Make sure you do that game. You know, we got to. Yeah, I, you know, I, I did see the Dolphins once, and I was there for Tua's uh, uh, debut. Um, hmm. You know, I didn't think of it that way, but I got the Saints this week, but of course without Drew Brees. Uh, you know, week one I had the the Ravens in a runaway against Cleveland, and I thought, wow, this is going to be the best team in football this year, and I don't know if that's the case. They do not look like the best team in football right now. They've got some. They've got some things to figure out. It, you know, this league has become week to week. It really. That's has. why we love it so much, Chris. That's why we love it yeah. so much. We never know yeah. what's going to happen. So, listen. I'm glad that you're keeping busy. I can't wait to hear your voice back on the fan doing all the Brooklyn Net action. We hear you doing the NFL. Continued success. All the best to you and your family. And hey, don't be a stranger. Let's do this again throughout the year, okay? JJ, anytime, man. It was nice, uh, nice speaking to you. Anytime, I'm, I'm here for you. The best. There you have it. That's Chris Carino, the voice of the Brooklyn Nets on the radio side. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time: baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.